Hello, welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. We have a very, very juicy episode. We'll be talking about Ten Hag, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer comparisons. Yes, you heard that right. Yes, I'm bringing my own personal agenda to the podcast. We'll also talk about Chelsea, Pochettino, and then the Mason Greenwood news on a more serious note, and potentially talking about the Bellingham brothers and possibly Ben Foster retiring uh, on the roster today. We have Raj making a return after... God knows how long. Actually, when we last spoke, Raj, you were balking. Now you're cutting. So it's been a minute. How's it going, bro? Yeah, I feel like a different person. Um, the, uh, the hey, you look like one too. For those that can't oh, hear, you look like a different person. Thanks, man. I, lo- I love the compliments. So do you, the new trim as well. Hey, before we came on air, Raj was going, ah, new trim, bro, looking good. I was like, hey, listen, we give the people what they want, you know? Um, Has, you rating my trim or no? Yeah, I saw it actually on the last pod. I was feeling it, man. Yes! I'm on my knees! I'm on my knees! This is a great moment for me because uh, Hass knows the one thing I value more than anything on earth is looks. I'm a shallow guy. <laughs> uh, and debuting on a pod is a man all the way in LA. Uh, CK, how are you, bro? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for, for having me on. Nice to meet meet all y'all and looking forward to get into some, some interesting topics. You know what, CK? You've just reminded me of something. I heard it was a very nice intro from you. The audience are ready to hear from you. Then, just off camera, you said something about Casado, and the two Liverpool fans in this conversation went, let's talk about Casado. 115 million. What on earth was that debut? I don't know who wants to fly in first and get on him, but I thought that was a, uh, that was a Hall of Shame type of debut. Terrible. You could tell he hasn't had a preseason like. I don't know if he has at Brighton, but you know he was he was pulling out of games. He went AWOL for for a week. He was in London chilling. You can tell like this guy was way off it. There was one pass where literally he passed to the West Ham player and he reacted like three minutes later. He walked off like, <laughs> like he passed to the Chelsea player. Like honestly, yeah, he was miles off it, man. Was that Raj's internet? Was that Raj's internet? <laughs> three, three, three galaxies away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Moises, man. I actually think it showed. I don't want to jump in too early. Moises, I'm... you know, man said Moises. Forget Casado. <laughs> I got no respect. You're Moises to he's, me he's now. He's not, he's not, he needs to earn respect to say his surname. <laughs> but um, yeah, now nah, at the end of last season, I remember watching a game Newcastle Brighton. I don't know if you remember it. it was it was big for the top four, and Casado was actually getting rinsed in that game as well. In transition, Newcastle's runners Joe Linton, Willock, they were literally steaming past him a lot of the time. And this is actually one weakness I think people haven't spotted in his game. His transition back foot defending is not as good as a lot of defensive midfielders like Rice, Rodri. They anticipate and get in there a bit quicker than Moises, um, who's good at front foot snapping into people. But I'm a bit concerned, actually, with him as a main defensive midfielder. At Brighton, they play a very compact double pivot system. If he's on his own, Enzo himself is not the best defensively. I can see some weaknesses there in that midfield. I don't think it's as watertight as everyone's saying. I think that's why he's playing a five at the back, maybe. Like, maybe mm. there's, there's less spaces to cover, etc. Mm. But still, yeah. Listen, I hope it fails off. <laughs> <laughs> I think people underestimate how hard the position of a lone six is to play. Like, mm. that is one of, if not the hardest position to play in the sport. And so to just, like, have no preseason and then just jump right into... Premier League intensity, that type of game. And, like, I'm not surprised that he had that debut whatsoever. Like, the game was probably moving so fast. He probably has so much going through his head. And 
it was just I, I felt bad for him, but it was just like yeah, it was it was tough to see. Obviously, obviously, it's good for the Liverpool fans in here. Get the get the, the banter re- off. Get that. The reason I don't feel bad for him is because it looks like, this is what my reading of the situation was, there's a few nuggets of information as well. He was playing off the two Liverpool and Chelsea signs and seeing wh- how much money he could get really out of the deal. His agents particularly are apparently very, uh, they're a nuisance really, they're a- his agent. And he's got li- several different representatives and they're literally trying to get as much money as possible out of the deal. And I think that's why Liverpool actually got brought to the table in the false pretenses. So that's why I've got no sympathy for him in this case. Fair enough. <laughs> I love there's two things I love that you said there, Raj. Firstly, I've never heard of back foot transition. I wrote it down immediately. I went, <laughs> "Hey, yo, that's my new thing." <laughs> Someone's gonna track this man. He's he's bad at back foot transition. No one's gonna know what it is. The four of us know what it means. That's a new buzzword. <laughs> yeah, man, that's the new thing. We have gotta get that rolled out early before someone on someone else on a different podcast goes no, back you know, foot you know transition. You remember, you know yeah, 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 yeah. Fabinho, for example, at his peak, had those telescopic legs. When everyone's running at him, he literally stopped him from any angle. Kaiseido, I don't think he's got that in his locker as much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just a mad thing to say. But I'm trying to think of other players who have, who have really bad back foot transition to to be able to compare to Kaiseido. Um, and then I've already forgotten the second thing you said. Go on, you got someone else who's got really bad back foot transition. Jorginho, mate, he is shocking oh, when someone's yeah, running yeah, at him, yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. and he's back pedaling like he can't get anywhere near it. You need, I think, you need a combination yeah, of of long long legs. Which Rodri has got, for example, and you need a bit of burst as well. Caicedo's got the burst, but I don't think he's got the the legs and the build for it. I don't think Caicedo oh, yeah. reads it very well. I don't think he reads the game. Yeah, yeah, you don't read it's it. Like his... I think he relies a lot on his athleticism. I think mm-hmm. to like cover ground and like make up for maybe some of the that lack of like um, anticipation and like reflexes that like a good lone six would have. But like he just has that athletic yeah. kind of raw talent. The the one thing that I'm absolutely like dying at is like if he signed for Liverpool, I know you two, including me, are probably not going back from transition is a problem. We're going, hey, listen, he's tired. He had no preseason. He's been on First holiday. <laughs> he got kids to feed, you know, and and that's all he's here. But he's a good guy. When in reality, the guy was like, he was on his knees for Arsenal in January. He posted yeah. the thing saying he was leaving, if you remember, and he was definitely staying. Then he went to Brighton. You know what? I'll stay. Put in the shift second half of the season. Said, Liverpool, I don't mind you. Said, Klopp, come meet me. Come meet me in London, man, before I get this flight to Liverpool. Klopp's like, I'm on my way. Klopp went to the media. Hey, it's done. Chelsea come in and go, here's a bit more money. He went, I want to play for Chelsea my whole life. Can't take my idol. I was like, wait, what? That photo in the Chelsea shirt is photoshopped. It's got to be. It's photoshopped, man. That, well, they had the they had the three cool. sponsor. Yeah, they had the oh, three it? sponsor on it. They tried to they put the they put the filter on it to make it look like oh. it was like twenty years ago. But it really had the oh, that sh- yeah that shirt from, was from like two years ago. They, yeah, they shrunk him and put him next to his mum. Basically, is what they did. <laughs> Raj, you're trying to tell me you can notice a man can't back foot transition, but you can't notice the shirt is three years old as the number three on it. Raj is paying so much attention. How's that back foot moving? Where's that yeah, back yeah. foot moving? You can't see the shirt. <laughs> I miss the simple things too much detail. Hey, I love it. Right, back to Carcedo. Genuinely, on the topic of Moses Carcedo, genuinely, because we haven't spoken since the deal happened, how gutted were you? when he didn't sign for Liverpool? Or were you not, like, genuinely? I was hurt. I'll be wrong. I was hurt. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, Ornstein, when you hear it from Ornstein, 
medical in the morning. You're thinking, yeah, this is done. I'm watching compilations. You know what I'm saying? I was making videos. I even called my Chelsea friend, literally like midnight. Because I was working, innit? I was working night shifts. I literally called him. This guy's sleeping. He's fuming. In the morning, <laughs> all I see <laughs> is, nah, he's rejected us, Fabrizio. First, I didn't want to believe it. But then you're hearing it from James Pierce and all these guys. So, yeah, I was, I'll be real. I was, I was hot, bro. I think it's the alternatives as well. Like, there's not much else in the market. This is why I really feel sorry for Endo. It's not a Liverpool-based podcast, obviously. But Endo's come in and, uh, like, he's actually a good footballer. But because it was like Carcedo, didn't someone... To, oh, no, no, you don't think he's a good footballer? No, 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 he is, he is. But I'm saying, when you're at that, like, Carcedo level, they can arise to a many. Endo, like, I don't think there was even one link to the <laughs> Like, no one would have thought. A 30-year-old Japanese guy from Stuttgart was battling relegation. Like, come on. Thing is, though, I think Endo, that from looking at what Klopp's saying, he's saying he's more of a Milner replacement, looking to add some experience, add a bit of nous at the end of games, close games. I think they're still in the... I know James Pierce released some crap today, but um, yeah. Yeah, I think there's another midfield in the pipeline. Apparently, this is some uh, inside information. Hopefully. A verbal, verbal offer has already been made for Czech de Kure, and they're waiting for Palace to get their replacement in, is what I've heard. That'd be nice. I love that, to be honest. That's one mm, of the good DMs like, in the market left. Yeah, nice yeah, definitely. I just actually thought of something, just coming back to this back foot tracking thing. Ca- Casemiro, and Sika, you might be able I was, to give me... I was, I was going to say that, but it would, like, I want to... If, if you could give me, like, a 10-minute segment on Casemiro, I might even... Go past hey that, brother, like, I, I can offer you five minutes. This is the this is the Casado Liverpool deal. I give you I give you five minutes, brother. Bro, this guy Casemiro is like he's on my last nerve. I can't even lie. The way <laughs> like the, the 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 narrative that I'm seeing on like social media. Oh, Kaisa, or uh, I got Casado. Casemiro's been been left all alone in midfield. This brother, I see this brother playing as an advanced eight out of possession. Like the the gambles that he is taking. He's, he, there's one clip of Mason Mount pressing. He goes to press in the exact same area that Mason Mount is. He, th- this brother tried to turn around. I swear it was like five seconds before he turned around. And when he tries to run back, he can't, he can't run. I don't know if you guys watch basketball, but there was this one season where James Harden came into, came into the season like overweight, and he was never the same again. This is, what, this is, this is that type of season for Casemiro. Like, I feel like he's just like... He definitely he cannot play as a lone sticks anymore, in my opinion, especially in the system that we're trying to play, because he just he his his uh, biomechanics he just can't it's it's not clicking anymore. Like his his ability to to turn both in defensive transitions and like when he receives the ball with his back facing to our goal, like he can't do it. And it's yeah, especially like That's that back foot defending is a, like a thirty year old DM. Five-year yeah. deal, 70 million pounds. No, yeah, 100%, 100%. Because we were just so desperate for any sort of, like... We didn't have a CDM for, like, yeah. eight we years got, since Michael Carrick. We got, <laughs> we we got, got to talk, we we talk about how much Tony Kroos gave Casemiro career. Honestly, I think he covered up a lot of Casemiro's deficiencies. You look at some of the clips from Real Madrid in that era, Casemiro's somewhere upfield. No build-up responsibilities at all. And you went from that to playing... Yeah, yeah. Zidane, Zidane's obviously been surrounded by ballers his whole career, management, playing career. He said, Casemiro, I don't want you anywhere near the build-up, so get up there. And create some <laughs> modern... Now we're seeing why. 
Yeah. And he goes from that to playing in a in a three one build up system where he's the one, and it's like yeah. it's just like a complete juxtaposition, and it's just he's not. I, I liked how we dropped Mason Mount into the into the midfield a little bit in that first half, and it looks great. And then for some reason in the second half, just abandon it. But yeah, Casemiro is. I'm I'm really really concerned for him this season if we don't get someone else in. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I have a theory. And people don't really like to hear theories, but if you listen to this podcast enough, it's theories, therapists, good-looking footballers, and trims. That's basically <laughs> what we spend most of the time talking about. So let's let's give a theory. Um, Mate, you, you almost had good alliteration there. Theories, therapists, trims, and then you ruined it with good-looking footballers. What's the point? <laughs> give me a word. Listen, CK, you're in the States. Is there a word that starts with T for good-looking guys? Hmm... Tigers, tigers, like, tigers, terrific tigers. or something. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's go again. <laughs> Theories, therapists, trims, tigers. <laughs> people are gonna be people are gonna be confused. Um, I think when I watched uh, Casemiro last season, I've honestly felt like it was a farewell tour. There were certain things where, um, you know, when he was trying things, and obviously people don't watch La Liga every week. People are going, oh my God, he can actually pass. I genuinely think he came to the league and he was like, I'm just going to try some shit. And if it works, it works. And there's certain moments where he's scoring, winning headers and jumping into the crowd. I was like, you've been in a team full of stars for so long. You wanted that feeling big time. And now you're getting it a few times a season. You're like, I love this shit. But now he's got to a point where Manu are going, we actually want to play with a plan and a strategy. He's like, hey, I just came here purely for vibes and to sing my best songs basically and now I think that's kind of happening this season where I mean it's only two games in so people might say yeah he's a bit out of shape and it's really early in the season but then equally when he first joined United he wasn't exactly in shape then and he literally hit the ground running like he was completely fine um so there's my theory Jamie Carragher's theory and mine combined means Casemiro may well be finished I think yeah yeah you're right yeah. I'm seeing some Fabinho-esque signs, like similarly, like he's struggling to get there for tackles. Hundred uh, percent. He's sliding around on the turf, like, and he's getting dribbled around. He, yeah, very similar. He knows he can't. He knows he can't run back with. He knows he can't track back. So now he's just diving in, mm. but he's diving in so lazily and so like mm. half-heartedly that it just it looks bad. There was one. There was one uh, challenge where he went to ground where he was like. It was in a transition where he was like two yards away from even making contact with the player, like not even the ball, the player. Like he's so yeah. he's so like behind the pace of play that it's just like it's 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 shocking. Right that now. Old Trafford pitch as well, he doesn't do you any favors. Like that's no, so wide yeah. to cover that much space when he already yeah. Yeah. yeah, he needs he needs I, a point I, pivot at least. Has when we were on a pod together, you what did you describe Fabinho as? <laughs> Sydney's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Casemiro might not be Sudanese. He's a Nepalese uncle, though. <laughs> He's struggling out there. <laughs> there's, it's, there's just a, a, there's a really big physical decline, like genuinely, not even taking the mic. I just, when you watch a certain player play and you go, like when, we, when you watch Fabinho for those six months of last season, you're like, physically, he's actually declined. Like Mane at the moment, physically, right. his body just cannot perform what it was doing before. And so I'm now looking at Casemiro and I'm going two games in, but there's moments where I think it was Madison drag did like a drag over with his right foot. Like, honestly, I, everyone in the stadium could see it. 
and Casemiro was genuinely running the other way. I was like, oh man, I was like, you just got sent. And, he, and Madison wasn't even trying to send you. He was just shifting the ball to his left yeah. foot to pass it out wide. He was running in a straight line. Yeah. Literally just straight line forward and he's just... And he's... <laughs> Running at the back four already, like it's crazy. His pre-season shape was terrible as well. I remember he was getting edited onto kebab shop memes and everything. Him yeah, with the, yeah, uh, yeah. Like cutting the meat off the skewer, editing <laughs> Casemiro's face onto it. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I don't condone kebab shop memes, but it was really bad. The situation Casemiro was in at the start of the season was bad. Um, but anyway, another situation to talk about. More on a serious note, uh, Mason Greenwood. Um, CK, I'll come to you first because you're a United fan. G- generally, where do you stand on this Greenwood situation? Yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one. I think from the club's perspective, like I'm sure they'll want their plaudits and their oh, we we made the right decision sort of thing. But for me, it's like you. It's already been confirmed that you had already made the wrong decision to bring him back. Mm. Like there's been reports that confirmed um, by the Athletic from sources within the club that there's been plans in place for weeks of bringing him back already. And now that you've put out this feeler statement that you've put out this, this kind of the, the, not the statement that they released today, but the the one that they released, I think it was last week and you get all this public backlash. Now you want to U-turn and make the wrong decision or make the, I guess, quote unquote, right decision because it's not going to be accepted by the fan base. And even the, uh, the um, people within the club, have threatened to resign, have threatened to leave the club. So now all of a sudden that it's, it's not for me that the club is like, okay, we've, we've, we've done this. Like we made the right decision. No, you've already, if it wasn't for the, the backlash that you've already gotten, he, he would have been back at the club. So for me, I think it's just the club has handled this really pathetically, to be honest, like to even consider bringing someone like this back, I think is the wrong decision. Um, and yeah, this just shows like there's no morality in football. <laughs> like, if you're good at your job, like people mm. will just forget whatever you've done. You could be a biggest, like you could be a prick, you could be anything. Like people will just forget. And even in the statement, they said, you know, based on the evidence available to us, we have concluded that the material he did. They basically said that he didn't do the do what has been online, and that they're not they're bringing him back. They're not bringing him back because. Um, the quote it says, all those involved, including Mason, recognize the diff- difficulties with him rec- recommencing his career at Manchester United. So it's not because he's mm. he's a bad person. It's because it's going to be a disruption to the club. It's going to impact the shirt sales. It's going to impact the revenue. It's going to impact you know sponsors. The, the, the 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 sponsors exactly. The, the, it's going to be a distraction in the locker room for the players, which might affect the football. And so it's the. For me, they're doing it for the wrong reasons. They're not doing it for for morality's sake. They're not doing it for, you know, to to make the right decision, do right by do right by the fans. Because if you, if you bring someone like that back, you put the fans in a terrible position, to mm. to a place where it's like, we just want to watch football. We just want to support our club. We just want to cheer and whatnot. But now it's like we're entered into a conversation where, as the fans, where it's like we don't want to deal with this. Like you you should be able to 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 analyze and do this investigation and and come to a correct decision where it doesn't put the fans in a position where it's like oh do I do I can I support my club like the fan that should never be a thought that's entering into our heads i, th- I feel as though they were in a situation whereby they 
I think they genuinely thought people would have forgotten or forgiven potentially. Um, and although I completely agree with Hass actually that when footballers do things, people forget because they bag a few goals. Part of the reason for that is like if Mason played this season, even four games and bagged a couple of goals, and one happens to be a winner against City or something, then fans have a massive problem. It's and a lot of people already kind of half half forgive him. I posted a TikTok earlier and I've seen loads of comments and the younger audience is like, yeah, but he's been forgiven. Yeah, he's not been fined. Yeah, it's completely fine. And all of a sudden you're in this situation where you've got like a 30% audience that already don't care that he did something. And these guys who go innocent until proven guilty. Then you've got your 20% of guys who are like, I'm not sure what to do with this situation. And then you've got the 50% of guys who are like, I hate this situation and I'm not involved. I don't want him to play again. If he goes and does what United maybe planned for him, a Champions League winner or something like that, all of a sudden, things will get forgiven. As fans, you don't have a choice. You support Manchester United, you don't support Mason Greenwood. But if he goes and puts you in the Champions League semi-final, the papers will cover him. It's, it's, and it's, that's what I'm talking about, the position for the fans. It's like Champions League semi-final, he scores a goal. It's like you're put in this position where it's like, do I cheer? Do I, like, that should never... in. And even, like, I can't even imagine, like, being a female fan of Manchester United and having mm. this situation, like, it's got to be just so, so infuriating and, like, the, just the worst possible position to be in. So I feel for all the, of that. The worst well. thing they've done is go, coming into this halfway position as well. They haven't made their intentions clear either way. And that is kind of a sly way of doing things. So basically, they mm. didn't... They said they had an internal investigation. They didn't actually come to a conclusion. They basically put a little feeler statement out there to see what the reaction was. So obviously, what was their conclusion of the investigation? We don't know because they didn't even give a position yeah. on it. Um, so I feel like they, that is a very cunning move from the Manchester United hierarchy. And secondly, all the maximum would have happened, I agree. He would have eventually, there would have been an acceptance of him coming back to football. We've seen in other stuff, we're mentioning names, where... All that's happened is that player gets a bit less praise from the general media. They just, they just get they, they don't they get for, they get less praise, but they get accepted as part of the team still. Um, even in serious things like this, um, and I think it's a different level to other stuff where, for example, the Luis Suarez bite. That is that's probably the maximum threshold you can reach to get reintegrated mm. back. F- physical violence is probably the maximum. When it goes to something like domestic abuse, that I think that that's the, the ceiling has been breached. Um and yeah, 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 I can't see any way back for him. I think they're going to try, but any club who takes him will get a bit of resentment. I think from from most people in the sport. Uh, so it's going to be a tricky one. Why I said before is like how good of a player you are is. Look at Sigurdsson. Like we haven't mm. heard anything from him. Basically, the same mm. kind of like similar situation. Everton, mm. they just put put him in a bin. Like. Because yeah. Mason Greenwood has got potential, maybe sell-on value. He's what a teenager mm. or, or early teens or whatever. They want to they bring him back. So And plus, yeah. like, I don't think he was even not guilty. Like, I think the charges were just dropped. So it's like... Yeah. That's the biggest like, point. Yeah. That's like, it's like the charges, the people on you know social media and whatnot, like charges dropped does not equal not guilty. Like there's mm. so much context that comes into that with in terms of like pressure from the... From the victim like there's so much that goes on in that situation where it's like just because the charges are dropped does not mean that he's not guilty like though it's not mutually yeah. exclusive 
Uh, Rambo, that's, worry- that's worrying that your TikTok has got response from the younger generation saying he is now innocent. That shows it's already had an influence on people. So that's a very worrying sign. Well, that's what I mean. I, I, the, like my comments, I think there's about 60 on there. And I would say at least 30 are saying he's fine. Like, what's he? Ever, what? Like, why are you thinking you've got a moral high ground when you don't know the full picture? I just think there's um United statement should have been, in my eyes anyway, Mason Green would never play for the club again. And I think people have immediately go, he's a bad guy. Mm. By saying what they've said, you will now allow people to have their own imagination and go, well, he's not completely taken out of the club. He might go on loan to some random Dutch team next season and United might be hoping it simmers and he might come back into the preseason side. And then suddenly you've gone, well, we never actually said he was a bad guy. Yeah. He's actually always just been a guy to us. Um, so United have sort of sat on that end of it and that's now allowed all these other people who are clearly like not either not educated on the situation or don't know enough. It's now given them like a, a pedestal to stand on and go, well, actually, like we've backed this guy since day. Um it's just a very like weird situation. It's interesting too because they've kind of left the door open as well. Because I was reading up on it, and to legally to like he's under contract till twenty twenty five, right? So to to legally terminate that contract because it doesn't say anywhere in the statement that they've terminated the contract whatsoever. It says that we're working with him to find a, a career move outside of Old Trafford. That could mean a loan. And then he comes back. That could mean a permanent move. It could be anything. Mm. But to terminate someone's contract, it has to go to like a board, basically, and like a, a, a I don't know if it's a vote, but like a, a a discretionary hearing sort of thing. And there's the athletic said that it's increasingly difficult to to prove that his his contract should be terminated if in their internal investigation they didn't find that he was guilty of the crimes. So they've left the, it's basically like a catch 22. Like we can't, he's not coming back to Old Trafford, but we can't terminate his contract because in our internal investigation, which we are in control of, we didn't find that he was guilty of it. So it's just, it's very, it's like Russia. It's very like cutting. Like it's just kind of nasty. My mom used to watch like Indian dramas when I was a kid. This is an Indian drama. This is a deliberate catch-22. Like, they put themselves in the catch-22 so they didn't have to do anything. And then they went, we're in the catch-22. We can't do anything. Um, I've seen a lot of these dramas, man. And in the end, the victim gets away with it. That's, that's yeah, what yeah. I've seen. That's my experience. Um, yeah, Hass is right as well, because if this was a uh, random reserve player worth less than a million pounds, there's no chance they would have even reintegrated him. I mean, to be fair, there's. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, and you guys probably, actually, Raj, you probably know better because I think he he played in the same league as Coventry. Ched Evans went through something Ooh. similar, no? Yeah, yeah, he got released so, by his club though, and then released yeah. by his club, and then had to find his own club. Yeah, and he's and he has been reintegrated, but I don't think it was as serious as this, was it? I can't remember now, to be honest. I'm, I'll maybe give it a Google in I a second. I remember Jessica Ennis. She had like a her name was on the stand. I think she had a stand. And she was like, my name, I want my name to be removed if he comes back. So I think that's yeah. why the club, I think oh. Sheffield United were trying to bring him back or something. So. But if, if I'm not wrong, he was proven innocent, I think, and actually proven innocent. I could be wrong here. So um, I'm going to give it a quick Google. Oh, you're right. You're right, mate. You're right. It was a, it, the two guys, Shed was one of them, uh, sentenced to five years in prison for accusations of rape. Um, and then what happened to him? He then got cleared. After serving he half got his cleared. Of, yeah. Cleared after serving half Sorry, his prison sentence. And re, yeah, he had it overturned in October 2016. 
So again, I don't know enough about law to say Chad Evans was completely innocent. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm reading here, it says the, he got a retrial. This is on, on the website. Got a retrial uh, in 2016. And on the 14th of October, it was found that Chad Evans was not guilty. Um, uh, uh, after the retrial, it could then be reported that the legal argument used in the appeal had related to the comp- the complaints, the complaint, the complainant, sorry, sexual history. Um, Evans accepted an £800,000 settlement figure. So ultimately, this guy was accused, according to this anyway, he was innocent, his career was binned, he got binned off, his, basically his whole name got written off. At that time, he was playing for Sheffield United, I think, and then now he's playing at Preston North End, and it's basically his career's gone nowhere since that point. Um, so that probably proves Hass's point a little bit, is that if he was a baller, I don't think he's in this situation. Now, obviously, we're... we're adding a few elements to it, but there is elements of proof and obviously not a vast amount of proof, but Mason Greenwood was a good footballer and that's the reality. And he was a Manchester United, very good footballer, huge talent, going to do this, that and the other. And I get a feeling that they're going, if we can loan him out next season, maybe even the season after, in the third season, maybe we can sell him. Or maybe we don't have to keep him, but we can sell him. We can make some cash on this guy because Mason Greenwood will always have the name of Mason Greenwood because he did some mad things. Um, and so people, some club somewhere doesn't care too much about the rep. I won't, I was going to say Genk, but Genk are actually a good club. But some random club somewhere will go, we'll oh, drop got, 20 million on this kid. I've got one in mind in the championship. I shouldn't probably say it in case there's some fans listening. <laughs> go ahead, I might go out who it is. Known for fan violence, Millwall. <laughs> yeah, listen. <laughs> they hate us anyway, bro. They don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> they don't like us. Um, yeah. right. I think, I think anyway, this, is, um, this is a football thing, though. It's not just a match. Like, yeah, Manchester United have handled this terribly, but like, I can't say that any other big club with a big talent like this in this situation would handle it any differently. I can't imagine. So it's Look like I feel like it's a broader football. What a t-shirt! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every Num- club number five with number five with, with at Arsenal. Like, it's it's this is like a a broader football problem as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, right, I know you're mostly here for those four T's that I mentioned before, so we're going to swing it back to those four T's. We'll stick with Manchester United uh, on a lighter note, potentially a lighter note for me, but maybe not for CK. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Ten Hag are getting compared on the timeline. I have a theory, but I'm not going to push my own agendas here. Um, what I think is the best way to do this, to let CK load up on everything that's coming, I think I want to hear from the Liverpool boys and then it lands to CK. And I'm hoping it lands with so much ammunition that he's ready to fire out. Um, there's an allegation out there that Ten Hag could be Ole in disguise. And there's certain things that people are saying to level it at him. Uh, one of the tweets I saw was that um, Ange Postacoglu has been in the job for a couple of weeks and he's got more identity than Ten Hag. who has been in the job for 64 games. Uh, another one of the allegations I've seen is uh, they keep complaining that Ten Hag needs this, that, and the other, but the Zerbi can play attractive football, uh, and he's playing well back in centre mid. Um, those are the few things I've seen, but I'm trying my best not to push my agenda. I want to hear from the people that the people want to hear from. Uh, so my Liverpool fans on the pod is Ten Hag Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in disguise. Raj, do you want to go? Yeah, so <laughs> I went AAA. I want to see what Rob says first, then I'm gonna have my go. I, I I don't think it's a coincidence that Ten Hag and Solskjaer are showing some similar playing styles, and I think the re- the stem cause of it is the recruitment. 
you look at the profiles that Manchester United have recruited. I, I mentioned this on the social media. Who in that back line is a commander for playing a high line? That's number one. We saw when Lissandro tried to be that player against Wolves, stepping out, Cunha was absolutely rinsing him. Um, and he's not that type of player to command a high line. And Varane has always been a cover defender uh, behind Sergio Ramos, you remember, at Real Madrid, sweeping behind. He's never been a guy to step up, squeeze a space, tell everyone to come up with him uh, and push up. So that's number one, why Ten Hag's playing a very deep defensive line. He doesn't have the profiles in defence. Number two is the midfield. Uh, has he got the midfield profiles to play possession style of football? Casemiro, we discussed earlier, has never been that type in his career. He's always been a guy who wasn't part of that main part of the build-up. He's always had other guys to do that for him at Real Madrid. So then they bring in Mason Mount to try and solve the situation. Mason Mount has never been that deep build-up player in midfield either. He's always been a guy who arrives onto stuff in the final third. Um, I remember some of his moments for Chelsea. It's always about what he does in the final third. Instinctive one-touch play, finishes, goals, um, uh, and nice assists. In, in, in near the box. So again, the recruitment seems off. They, I think the f- main thing they needed was a deep line playmaker and Manchester United haven't gone for that again. And then you look at the fullbacks as well. Luke Shaw, excellent in possession, I have to say. But on the other side, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, this guy is, he has too many games where he's terrible in possession of the ball. So you look at that and it's not constructive for building a style of football where the Manchester United dominate games. And the, and the other th- last thing is the press. It's very inconsistent. And it was the same under Solskjaer, same under Ranić, who wanted to play high-pressing style, and now the same under Ten Hag. The first half for Manchester United was very good in terms of their pressing structure. They were winning a lot of balls uh, in the Spurs half and, and getting attacked that way. But then look at the second half. That last, The second Spurs goal came purely from Spurs having all the freedom, no pressure on the ball, passing lane all the way free on the left-hand side, which wasn't cut off. And Spurs had all the freedom to play out into their own half because Man United's press is so inconsistent. But that is that Ten Hag or is that the players? Is that players like Rashford and Bruno not being disciplined and studious in their jobs? And I think there's a bit of that in there as well because they've been uh, guilty of that under previous managers. So I don't think it's necessarily all Ten Hag. I think the players are there. The recruitment is the issue. But Ten Hag as well ha- has had a strong say in the recruitment. So... A lot of it is is at his door over over why they're not playing that style of football that Manchester United fans want. Yeah, I agree. That's my main gripe about Ten Hag is like he compromises too much. Like we know he wants to play this possession style of play, but then the players he's signing and that's what happens when you give a manager too much say on recruitment. Like it's happening with Liverpool now, Jurgen Klopp. Like Mason Mount, how can you look at that midfield last year and then say, oh, the profile that I need is Mason Mount? Like Mason Mount and Bruno are basically the same t- player. They're both trying to run into the box, you know what I'm saying? Pressing from the front, late late goals, late runs into the box, etc., etc. So, for me as well, Onana, that Onana signing, he's actually exposed guys like Varane, guys like Wan-Bissaka. So, maybe he's done more harm than good. So, for me, yeah. I don't <laughs> think he's as bad as Oli, I can't lie. Because Oli, sometimes, that guy, he would just... He would have been the first half off, second half, he would say, yeah, lads, go out and play. So I don't know about him, but yeah, nah. The way I've seen CK just rubbing his hands together, he's, just, he's taking so many mental notes right now after Raj delivered a dissertation. End of uni vibes. CK went, hey, listen, it's time to kill. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to hear what you've got to say because I also have further theories, and uh, but I think it's necessary we hear from the one man that's close to it. No, for sure. I, I agree with a lot of what Raj and, and Haas said, especially um, on the profiles and the recruitment. Oh, you didn't and, agree with me, no? Okay. 
and, no, no, he was well, he was well. And just like how much power Ted, we basically brought Ten Hog in and made him the manager and the director of football, which is flawed in my opinion. Like the fact that we don't have a solidified, smart director of football is ludicrous to me. Like how, how do you expect, yes, Ten Hog's talent ID has been a little bit shaky in terms of like Anthony and kind of like the priority in which he's signing players like Mason Mount in a system where we have like a, a world-class number six looks great in my opinion. I think that that works, but getting him first before you go for that first phase midfielder is wrong in my opinion. And I think if we had a solidified director of football, we probably would have said, okay, like we understand that you really want Mason Mount, but this is more important. And we could have come to maybe a, a, a impact or a, a meet in the middle sort of situation there. But to answer the kind of the question is Ten Hag Ali in disguise? I would say definitely not. Like Eric Ten Hag is a hey, very you hated Ole then, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't the biggest fan, but I mean, I appreciated <laughs> what he did in certain times. Like he got us out of like a really bad period, and then he kind of fell off there towards the end. But Eric Ten Hag is, in my opinion, a very serious footballing person. Like he takes football very seriously. He takes this club very seriously. When you look at things like after the Brentford game, he made us, he made, not me, but he made the squad run the amount of distance that Brentford outran us by. Um, when you look at uh, Rashford showing up 45 seconds late to a meeting um, before the Wolves game and him getting benched, like, hook it, uh, there was a situation in preseason where he started one of the, the younger <clears throat> kind of players. They were playing terribly, hooked him within 30 minutes of, in the first half of a preseason game. Those are things that, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would just never, ever do. Like, we see him pick – we saw him – I think we got – we were getting smashed by Everton at home in the 90th minute, and he, there was a picture of him smiling. Like, <laughs> those are just things that, like, Eric Ten Hag would never do. So from, like, a strictly, like, serious football perspective, like, definitely not. And it's, it's clear that we're trying to play a different style, more progressive, more modern style of football as well. But I think Haas said it too. Like, this new style of play demands much more of our outfield players. And when you look at a right-hand side of Aaron Basaka, Rafael Varane, and Casemiro, that is basically build-up suicide, in my opinion. And like the, those things just do not work. And the profiles which in this with in this team just don't don't fit our style of play. But it's kind of like that Subway meme where it's like uh, people go to Subway and hate the sandwich. You made the sandwich. You know, it's like you you're kind of bring you're bringing these these guys in but then trying to implement a style of play that doesn't fit the profiles that you have. And my, my one kind of thing is like, we're 12 months into the project, right? You can't fix all the holes in 12 months. So, I mean, two years ago, people, Arsenal fans were saying Arteta out. Now look at where they are. Um, so I still am giving him time. I still am definitely trusting him in the process. I think he just needs just a bit more time. Sofian Amrabat, 25 to 30 million fixes so much of, of these problems. Like literally so just having someone who's calm, poised, evasive of the press, like that fixes so, so, so many of our problems. Like, cause right now we can't hold on to the ball. Like, and, and if you have a, a center defensive mid who can't hold on to the ball, how can you play this style of football? It's impossible. The two, I think the two most important positions in this style of play are goalkeeper and that, that first phase Damn. fielder, someone to collect the ball off the center back, someone to even drop between the center backs, just to like 
know that when he's on the ball, everyone can kind of take a collective deep breath. We can kind of play. We Mason Mount's best attributes is him receiving the ball in between the lines on the half turn, carrying, mm. distributing. We can't play between the lines with Casemiro. And every the time problem, we have... The problem, is, so the problem I find is, like, Casemiro, and it comes back to him again, was a very short-sighted buy. It mm. was like, last season, we need someone who can just do enough. And because of the situation United are in, the situation the fans are in, it's like, you you got a guy who's like really, really good at mopping, but you haven't even got wet floors. You need a guy who can brush. Yeah. Like, you know what an analogy? Makes no sense, but it kind of works. <laughs> so, I think the moment you got him, now you've got a situation that you gave him a massive contract and you can't just bin this guy off. So now you're praying to Saudi that like, oh, hello, come along and buy him. Um, and that's a very, like, it could, it could happen. But yeah. then fans will go, well, we just spent 50 million on this guy. Last season, he was pinging passes around. And this season, he can't, he can't move. So, you know, you, know. Yes. You, you know, the problem with the recruitment is as well, it actually does, for the prices that, that these players are being bought for, it does permanent damage. Because it takes away from the rest of your budget. You're talking now about a cheap stopgap in Amrabat at 20 million. But you spent 80 on Anthony last year, who hasn't been the ideal fit. 60 on Casemiro, then another 65. Oh, brother, C- CK wants another 10 minutes on Anthony. <laughs> we ready, we strapped in. This, this, this brother, I, yeah. So that, that's 200 million straight away. That's 200 million straight away. And then Manchester United were linked. This would have been a top signing. They were linked with Kim Min Jae. That guy is the high line commander that Manchester United always needed. He goes to Bayern because they can afford the 60, 70 million. Problem is, Man U have wasted a lot of their budget already, and they can't match that price. The other one was Durin Timber. Arsenal pick. I know he's done his ACL now, but he was a, again a great fit for Ten Hag side of football. But then again, the budget's gone, so now you're only looking at these cheap stopgap solutions. I know Hoyland. We haven't seen much of him. He looks like a good outlet, but again, he was he went for big money. So a lot of the lot of the issues are Man U causing problems for themselves. They're spending all their budget on unnecessary players. And then taking away from what's actually needed. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You're spitting right now. I can't even lie. Um, I, I, I think, I think. I took, sorry, I took ahead. away from. Uh, you can jump. Give me one second. I, I, something just came yeah. to my mind, and I don't know why I'm just sat here, just like randomly daydreaming. I feel like Hass is doing the same about Varane, Wambisaka, and Casemiro doing a rondos. I just feel like it's disaster. Like who's the guy they're giving it to when they need someone to trust? There, there was a clip that went. Uh, someone was at the, I think it was the Tottenham game before, the, a clip of Erwan Masaka trying to do around the world, doing juggling. I almost I almost threw my phone across the room. That's, well, that's, if, our, that's if you're right like, I know I can't do around the world. I ain't even going to try. I'm just playing one-twos with the guy, with the coach. Yeah, I'll have it back. I'll have it back. Yeah, I'll have it back. I don't want to, I don't want to do step-overs. I'm not involved. The, the technical floor of our team in comparison to other top teams and not even in the Premier League but in the world is like appalling for me like we have little to to no technicians in our team which is like I mean you look at oh why can't we keep the ball oh it's probably because we don't have any technicians in our team like the this kind of goes back to what Hassan or I think it was either Haas or, or Raj said about their recruitment is just like it's flawed you're spending these great this crazy fee on on players who can't don't really elevate what we need at the time. Like 
it's 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 more flashy big money signings than things that are actually going to help us. When I look at like a player like Tushimani going to Real Madrid for seventy five million, like that's the craziest bargain I've ever heard for a player like that. You would fix so many of our problems, and I think a lot of kind of the comparisons with Ollie as well kind of come from Ten Hag saying that he wants to be like the best transition team in the world, and I think a lot of people misconstrue transition with like sitting in a low block and just like countering. Mm. But that also means like how fast can you transition from winning the ball in the final third to creating a chance. And we're actually doing that pretty well because we're, we're averaging 16 wins in the final third, which is the most in the premier league right now. But our problem is with the front line, someone like Anthony, you give him the ball in the final third and he just holds up play. He makes the wrong decision. He doesn't do anything right. And it just, it, it's not, it's just not, it's not clicking right now. And I think a lot of those problems come from like, just as, as, as Raj said, just the recruitment, like it's not the right profiles in this team to kind of play the way we're playing. We need a direct winger. We need a first phase midfielder, a deep line playmaker, someone who's poised. And we don't have any of that right now. We need a, a right back who can keep the ball. We need a centre back who. Well, that's what happens when you have like athletes a in our team. No yeah, director of football or someone like a structure from above. Because now you've got signings that were made by Oli, guys like Wan Bissaka, guys like Maguire, and then you now you've got Ten Hag's guys. Like it's it's completely different. Mm. So that's why you need either a, a manager that's there for a long term, like like Jurgen Klopp or Pep, and they can build their 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 squad in their image. So yeah, that's it's a, yeah. It's a mess right now. <laughs> he's he's tried to play like this system we tried to play this system last year in the first two games and we got thrashed four out of Brentford and two out of Brighton and he was like okay for this season I'm just gonna we're gonna play the second deepest line in the league we're kind of gonna pack it in and kind of sacrifice that and it kind of worked and he started okay let's let's implement our our principles of play throughout the season we get the goalkeeper who now opens up this whole different style of play that we can play and Onana's looked incredible that's one guy that's like I'm so happy. He looks so, so, so good. The, the, the funniest thing about Anana is, like, anytime he even just takes a first touch, Gary Neville's like, wow. Can you... Oh, wow. I'm like, you know, <laughs> you've watched so much of the hair that even Gary Neville's first touch it's, gets It's you, two like, different sports. It's two different sports, <laughs> genuinely. But you got, what, you know, Watching Gary Neville's who's... noises on commentary is the most entertaining thing about football, actually. Yeah. yeah, anytime... Honestly, Anana played that crossfield ball and he went, whoa... Oh, incredible, <laughs> incredible. That was, that was the moment where I was like, okay, yeah, this this guy's changed my life. Like, that was yeah, like, yeah. I almost I almost ascended into the heavens right after that. <laughs> uh, CK, at your age, uh, you don't need to go to heaven, bro. You're like, how old are you? 18? No, I'm actually 25. I just have a baby face. That's crazy, bro. Yeah. Check this boy's passport. <laughs> <laughs> just turned uh, 25, yeah. though. Yeah. The uh, the Ten Hag situation. The other thing, I won't go on, go on about it too much because people kill me for it every time. But Bruno Fernandes uh, came out after the Wolves game and said, we have to stop playing so quick and so direct. In the first half of the Spurs game, he took his own advice. In the second half, every time he got the ball, he was just hitting it 80 yards. And I was like, brother, like you say one thing, you do the next thing. So <laughs> frustrating. Last year, he was yeah. so good like that. He did everything... Like those past, he was playing like this like the past two years, but he was obviously had the GA to kind of like, I guess like justify it. I just know he just he just he loaded up his FIFA card for this year. He just got the rating earlier, and the long <laughs> passes went from eighty eight to eighty one, and he went 
no, no. I need to go again. <laughs> He's like, I'm not that guy. I need to go again. Um, yeah, fascinating. I think it'll, this season will be really fascinating for for United because um, obviously, as as Liverpool fans, we're enjoying the demise. Um, I'll be real, um, but at the same time, I'm going. I like I understand why Ten Hag wants to try and play a different type of football because he also knows that people will be saying the Zerbi's doing it with Welbeck in midfield. Um and you can't do it with these millions, millions and millions of pounds spent. And then you're playing low block football, which also suits the profiles that United have. I saw a really long Rashford tweet the other day saying um I don't agree with all of this, but it was he can't hold the ball up. Um it was just I I'll try and find the tweet actually. And I kind of sat there and I went yeah, like I kind of agree with some of these things, but that's also typical of the profiles that United have. So mm. therefore you are playing long diagonal balls into Rashford with 20 yards of space in behind him. Um, actually, you know what? I'm so clever. I didn't like the tweet because I, I realized someone's going to see that I like that tweet and go, hey, hold on a minute. Um, I didn't like it. I just sent it to one of my mates who's a Man U fan and uh, he loves Rashford. And he literally replied, this is this is about eight minutes after the game finished. He replies to me just saying, fuck off. I was like, yeah. Um, but it was, can't play as a nine, can't play as a right winger, can't claim long balls, can't win second balls, can't hold the ball up, can't press, can't track back, can't help in the build-up, can't score headers, poor awareness on the pitch, poor decision-making, poor first touch, always runs into traffic, gives so many balls away, bad work rate, shall I continue? Or it, or is it altered with the fact that he's not playing in his favourite position? So his, his pressing yeah, is off. Nah, he's he's definitely a left winger. I think he's good at receiving, like kind of uh, like a Martinelli. He receives on the kind of half turn out wide, and he can either go he can both go both ways, get a cross in, or get that little bit of separation and smack a shot off. That is his game. He's not a back to goal link player. He's also those runs, diagonal runs from the left flank. He's not got the he's not got a subtlety of movement up front. To either drag a defender here, then pull back there uh, and drag him all over the place. He's more of a direct speed merchant to get in behind. So yeah, definitely he's not a number nine. He hasn't got he hasn't got the skill set. Someone said um, he's Harvey Barnes, born in Manchester, who feeds kids. <laughs> I was like, bro, <laughs> crazy thing to say. Um, Harvey Barnes, by the way, good looking fella. I think he's actually all right. I'm a proud He's an all right guy. That's good trim. First, he's got a look, very good trim. I think that's the first white footballer you've complimented for looks. Yeah, I said he's all right. I said he's all right. <laughs> I said he's. All right. I'm trying to diversify, you know. I looked at our audience numbers and I saw like ethnics was like sixty percent. I was like forty percent of our audience is not ethnics. We have to now start saying some of them are all right as well. I bet um, you. I bet you got the Callum Wilson, Mikel Antonio pod on your on your favorite listings every week. But... Hey, it's a good pod. What can I say? <laughs> Their Richarlison beef is funny, man. Oh I, man, that I personally. I won't go into it too much. I th I think Hass, you did you tweet this as well? That did you think it was also a little bit too far? Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'll be I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that NBA's um, type type culture where people can say what they want. It's like a back and forth, and then we'll end yeah, it on the pitch. Yeah. So it's sick. Yeah, it's up to Richarlison now. You got you got to perform when you play Newcastle and you play West Ham. Bro, bro did a chicken dance. Goal got disallowed, and then he got rinsed. He's got to take that on the chin. <laughs> He's one of those guys, isn't it? Like he, he'll wind people up. I, I my only thing with it is, um, I also do like the NBA side of football. I like that direction to go in. I think that's how the how, that's how content should be consumed. That's how I consume it anyway. I just think the I think Antonio said he spoke to Paqueta and said, "Ah, oh, what's your boy saying?" And he was like, "Richardson hates you" or something like that. And I was like, "All right, like, the guy doesn't even like you." Like 
And he's actually going like, I just want to do my business. I just want to score goals for Tottenham. And they're going, yeah, but you're an idiot. <laughs> he's just going, yeah, but I just want to score goals for Tottenham. Um, I'd get it. You know, like if it was Antonio Wilson and maybe like one of the boys that they kind of half know a little yeah. bit. Richarlison's actually just like, I don't even know these guys and they're talking about me. On a media platform I don't listen to because I don't even barely speak English. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a weird one. Um, very quickly, I was going to say we'll talk about Chelsea, but I feel like that topic is going to do the rounds over and over again this season. Um, so I'm pretty sure we'll save we'll save that for another day because I saw some Enzo Fernandez hate and uh, I disagree with it. Um, I saw a tweet saying, "What should we say?" Um, Liverpool went for Enzo and Calcedo and ended up with Endo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like Endo. I like Endo's Endo. Endo's got a win on the board. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's got a win yeah. <laughs> what's what's Enzo's record? Is it like three wins three in twenty? Three wins. Yeah, like twenty five games. Embarrassing, bro. Embarrassing. Shocking. Yeah. I don't think he's accountable for that, though. Like, nah, he's actually a baller. He's actually a baller. Go on, Raj. Tell us what's his backtrack, back, backtrack, back foot transitioning like. Nah, that's what I'm saying, man. That's the problem with him and Kaiseida. Endless back foot transition defending is non-existent. <laughs> they waltz past him like he's not there. He's got that. He's a bit chubby, isn't he, Enzo? He's not the most mobile guy in the world. Uh, he's aggressive, but. Yeah, you can get past those guys, man. That, that's going to be the weakness. You've got to come back to that in the next few pods. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to actually think about. like, um, Because it's not something you would consider. Because people go, like, Enzo is such a good passer of the ball. And I think he is yeah. outrageously good in possession. Uh, out of possession, he he just lacks. Like, yeah. You know when people criticise Trent for not tracking his man because he can't yeah. be arse running? Yeah. When sometimes yeah, you watch yeah, Enzo, I do feel like he goes like... And I do it as well, man. Like, I'm so good technically... I don't need to watch my man here. When they yeah. give me the ball, I win as the game. I think Enzo is that, literally that, like... That, that's why Bruno Guimaraes is a better version of Enzo Fernandez. He's got all the source and technical ability, but mobility, he's way better defensively. He's, he's too aggressive as well sometimes, but he's got more legs than Enzo. He's, he's got the appetite for defending more than Enzo. So yeah, Guimaraes better than Enzo. He can flip that if you want. You think he's, you think he's better? Just straight yeah, up better? Yeah. Straight up better. As a six, probably, I, yeah, I agree with you as a six. Cause oh, yeah, yeah. I think Enzo can do it, though, because we saw in the World Cup, he played as a six. And, like, mm. again, the France game, like, he was he was shutting off uh, Mbappe and stuff like that, the passes into him between the lines. So I think he can do it, but it's like a Trent thing. It's like a game against Bournemouth, 12-30, like, I don't want to run. Do I want to? Yeah. Just yeah. give me the ball. Yeah, yeah. he's like, I've got dominoes at 1am. I'm just sick at football. <laughs> I'm not tracking my man, you know? Um, you got dominoes in the States, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Other pizzas are available. You have pizza in the States as well, right? Yeah, for sure. And Papa John's. Papa John's, yeah, we have Papa John's. Uh, rank me Papa John's, Domino's, Pizza, one to three. Pizza Hut? Uh, those are kind of like, those are kind of like, I, I, I personally try to go for like maybe a little bit of a higher quality pizza when I want Ooh. pizza. Hey, see, you said I've got money in terms of those three, I'd probably go. I had some. Domino's has gotten me through some tough times in college, so I probably got to go Domino's one. Um, probably Papa John's two, and then Pizza Hut three. Yeah, probably Pizza Hut's died out from this. Yeah, it's kind of like you can tell. You can tell when you're eating that. Like, is this even real cheese? Like, I don't really know. Has is describing Pizza Hut like it's Usher. 2008, he was all right. <laughs> but now it's finished. Wallace and Gromit, dude. Yeah, listen. I, I, I really like Pizza Hut. I'm going Pizza Hut for... So people are listening at home just going, 
Why are we talking about pizza? But listen, if you've been to New York, Joe's Pizza is electric. Uh, I was in New York for like seven days and I ate 14 slices of pizza, which is probably why I'm 10 kilos heavier than I'm meant to be right now. But um, I'm going Pizza Hut, Domino's, Papa John's. Papa John's is horrible. It's a bad yeah, dough. Grim, I don't want dough. If I want dough, I'll just eat bread. There's even a worse version called Big John's, which is absolutely grim. Literally no topping. I know an, I know an Asian guy owns that. Oh, I really? know it. <laughs> no, I just know it. South Asians are so not creative. Like KFC is LFC. I'm like, just find a new yeah, name. Nando's yes. is Nando's. Like, yeah, no, no, show me a, something. Show me some creativity. A, I saw Sainsbury's, yeah, and it was called Singsbury's, and it's in it was in Yorkshire. I swear, there's a Tesco, a fake Tesco supermarket in my area called Tesca. <laughs> I swear to God. Where's that? South Asians and creativity. <laughs> Very quickly. Uh, a word on Ben Foster, because he's just retired. Um, in fact, no, Ben Foster, sorry, bro. You got your own podcast. I'm sure you're going to talk about it and get a lot more, uh, a lot of hits. Um, I saw a tweet from Sharky, uh, SDS podcast guy. Of course, you know who he is. Great podcast. Give it a listen. Um, about the Bellinghams, basically saying that the Bellingham brothers have the potential to surpass any other sibling in sports. So the ones that spring to my mind are the Williams sisters, obviously. Um, I'll have a look at his tweet. I'm trying to think of other... The Torres. The Torres, Colo and Yaya. The Nevels. Think of... Uh, Nevels. The Nevels. The Nevels. Uh, uh, Powell um, and Marc Gasol. And then yeah. They're, they're both the, like... R- yeah, Rafinha and Thiago Alcantara as well. Yeah, Rafinha's... Hey, Rafinha's down. lacking, bro. You <laughs> <laughs> try to go to Brazil and get that little samba. It didn't work. Yeah. You got if you guys watch... Sorry, Sorry, American man. football, but uh, Peyton and Eli Manning. I don't know if you guys watched. Yeah, yeah, Eli Manning's sick. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, is it Mbappe's um, brother? Ralph Schumacher. Ethan and Mbappe. <laughs> have got to find know. someone better. He's Anyone the... got any data on Mbappe's brother? Yeah, no. <laughs> He's in the PSG no, no first idea. team training. Yeah, but that's because oh, Mbappe man. runs the yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, yeah. <laughs> I ain't signing. Yeah. My brother's not here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. G Mbappe, they call him. Yeah, <laughs> you go voting, you go voting, brothers. Oh, what, you putting Kevin Prince up there? You putting Kevin Prince up there with these guys? What has Joe Bellingham done? God, true, true. true. You got Michael and uh, Ralph Schumacher in F1. If you watch F1, mm. um, you got the Klitschko brothers in boxing. If you watch boxing, I just love the fact that this guy's just like put loads of them out, so he's done my work for me. So it sounds like I'm really knowledgeable, but I'm literally reading this guy's tweet. <laughs> you've got uh, no, Yusuf and Irfan Patan as well. Oh, in cricket! Listen, those boys are special. <laughs> um, you got Brian and Michael Laudrup. Uh, oh yeah, Ma- Laudrup. Sorry, Ronald and Frank De Boer. Frank De Boer's managerial career killed him though. <laughs> People don't even remember <laughs> that guy play football anymore. Um, there's a few. There's a few. I would personally say there's Serena Williams being. Probably oh, one yeah. of the greatest athletes of all time. And Venus is still amazing in her own right. Yeah. I don't think... You, it takes a lot to be better than them. They're the um, best, yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're they the best. Um, right. Uh, I've just seen that Jeremy Doku is signing for Man City. Ooh. So unless anyone has some really strong words on Jeremy Doku... Um, I actually wanted him anyone? to replace Sadio Mane a few years ago as, as an understudy after that Euros. But I don't know how yeah. it's going to work because... It's a bit too direct. Like you've got him and Foden on the same side. We know Pep likes that that possession t- uh, uh, style of winger. So maybe he's going back to the Sane days. Sterling, like he's, he's skinned off Jack Grealish. <laughs> and a player. 
He's going yeah. back to his roots. You know how Pep, he's a trendsetter, but when he sees everyone jumping on, he says, yeah, let me start anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with this. Bored. Maybe they'll be a little bit more exciting now. They yeah. are boring. Oh, yeah. I wanted to speak about that because I got battered on my tweet, but I think I'll definitely mention it on future podcasts because I want to talk about how boring they are to watch. Um, I also do feel, though, that he's now gone basically four defenders at the back who win duels, and he's repeatedly mentioned that I need uh, defenders that can stop one-on-ones. So I think now he wants attackers that can win one-on-ones because they'll be less possession-based, I think. I'm hoping anyway because legit, like they don't get me off my seat at all. I saw this tweet, though. It said, uh, Manchester City have become the Floyd Mayweather of football. Incredibly effective, undeniably great, unfortunately boring. And mm. I thought that was just like a great mm. way to put it. That's up. That's yeah, up. I don't hear it. Yeah. You just know Man City gave you that outside of the ring, you know what I'm saying? He gave you the, the vibes, but <laughs> Pep press conferences, I'm not tuning in, man. Yeah, I, I like Pep. I've just seen a, a video of him getting a parking ticket. And uh, the guy who gave him the parking ticket asked for a picture. And Pep's like, do one. He's like, you trying to give me a parking ticket and ask me for a picture. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think that will grow into a story this season. People will start to talk about how boring they've become. Um, we need some entertainers. And the only team that I think can stop them wear red and they're from Liverpool. That's all I'm saying. Of course, I'm going to say that, though. Please. Hey, CK, you ain't going to stop them, bro. Where, where, where's, your, where's your back tracking transition? I, I wish I had more ground to speak on because god god we've been we've been horrible what do you uh, arsenal though you guys think that they they can they can be they can compete or no i said at the start of the season i think they will no they will will, will compete but i don't know if they've got that yeah it's a really like as soon as they stop this kai havertz left midfield gimmick then they'll gimmick oh my (laughs) you guys gotta stop the you guys gotta stop the gakpo lcm yeah that's a gimmick as well man that is a gimmick oh that's (laughs) Bro, release Cody, horrible, man. Release Cody. <laughs> he's a uh, yeah. He's for me, Darwin. Darwin got. Yeah, why is why is Darwin getting like Darwin's getting like scrub minutes these days? People talk about Jot, like Darwin's touch control and touch, but we're acting like Jot is Firmino or something. Like yeah, Jot's touch exactly. is poor as well. Dreadful, yeah. So, yeah. He's got a plan. I trust Klopp. Although Raj doesn't. Raj, I've seen a lot of your tweets. You don't trust him anymore. Which actually probably started on this podcast like way back in episode 10 when I was having trust issues. But a few therapy sessions on the podcast have helped me out. I trust it, him again. It was when Sean Dyche, I said Sean Dyche would get top four and Klopp wouldn't. And it, what happened? Klopp didn't get top four. Dyche would have got us there. <laughs> I don't know, bro. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> I've seen what Sean Dyche is doing at Everton. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> they're, they're so watching them play. I've been watching because I love Amadou Nana. I, I watch him play a lot, but watching Everton is like, oh, it's, they're so poor. They're so bad. I love your commitment, bro. My man's watching Everton just to watch another. No, no, no. Bro, I love that guy so much. Because our team, have, we have no athletes. We have no athletes in our team. So, like, to yeah, watch, I just, we need someone like that in the midfield. But Are you sure you didn't think it was the other Onana? The one you know? <laughs> yeah, I got confused. I was like, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, right, bros, absolute pleasure speaking to you. Um, yes, yes. Very smooth podcast, which doesn't often often happen on on this thing that we record on. Uh, for those listening, as I say, check the guys out. CK, by the way, uh, this was much better than the Moses Carcedo debut. I'm trying to think of a good debut, but nothing is springing to my mind at the moment. Rash- Rashford had a good one. Rashford had a good debut. Marshall. But where did he end up? I want a guy who ended up in a good place because CK's going places. 
Um, so that. let's give no, you Van Dyke Everton. Good debut. Yeah. Great debut. We'll give you that one. Uh, <laughs> Has Raj. Reliable as ever, man. My James Milner, Jordan Henderson combination. They hate those nicknames. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it up, bro. That's a crazy call. Listen, those at home cut. Those at home can't see the reaction. Raj actually threw himself back in his chair. Well, don't compare me to a professional footballer. Um, those of you listening, thank you very much as always. Um, we'll see you next time.